to Big Red Couch, the podcast about making role-playing games. A group of GMs and players draw ideas from the mystery box and bring their game pitches to you. Good evening, listener, and welcome to the Big Red Couch, episode 127. I am Craig, attempting not to sweat myself to death here in uh, jolly old England. Meanwhile, in the frozen wastelands on the other side of the planet... It's been. It is not frozen. It is damp. Well, it's quite warm today. It's all, it's, it's all good. It's all good. We've been having the seasonal mist of, of a couple of mornings, which is it's definitely like the midwinter thing that we get. So no, no frozen wastelands at all, then? Well... It, it, it gets to like mildly fro- you know it gets to like mildly frosty here but the rest of the time is just kind of soggy that is you that is the the, the plight of the subtropical then the soggy wastelands on the other side of the planet does not have the same mythic ring no it does not no it does not the sadly the drawback of li- living in such a a pleasantly temperate environment is that until recently new zealanders certainly the, the north and north island do not understand what insulation was <laughs> and have been told by many immigrants that Wow, your houses are alternately way too hot and way too cold, especially considering the temperatures outside. <laughs> yeah, so that is uh, that the uh, living on the old ethos of number eight wire and she'll be right is uh, not great for your uh, bronchial health. No, no, and it, it is weird that the, the ability to understand what insulation is seems to run in direct proportion to how many rental properties you own. Yes, indeed. The uh, <laughs> the landlord class is very sceptical about um, folks needing to actually uh, stay warm, dry, and able to breathe for some reason. Indeed, I'm sure we will. Uh, I'm sure we will discuss more of that at some other point. So, Craig, how, how how's it doing? Have you have you recently enjoyed a cheeky Nando's? Um, sadly, I have not recently enjoyed a cheeky nando's i i have had a non-cheeky nando's hmm but it was it was substandardly cheeky which indeed, i indeed. suppose means that we should probably tell people that in fact this is the the topic of the episode oh, what yeah. does a cheeky <laughs> nando's mean sorry it was a bit of a hard segue from the um in fact, i don't think it was a council segue in that instance it was more like a uh, somebody taking a, a header off a, an electric lime scooter into a parked car so that aside Yes. The topic of the day. What is a cheeky Nando's? What does a cheeky Nando's mean? I mean, the fact that it's a it's a very British phrase, probably a very English phrase, though it, it might be as, as far as, uh, you know, might cover the entire landmass. But um, the idea of it being explained by two New Zealanders, one of whom happens to live here, and the other one refuses to leave the country under any reason whatsoever, is somewhat laughable. I don't have to leave the country, or even pretty much my suburb to get nandos i had some last night i made the express expedition but it was not a cheeky nandos because that is a very complicated cultural artifact it's something that i couldn't couldn't possibly dream of appropriating from the brethren of the scepter dial and i think it's one of those deliberately obscure things but there you go (laughs) well yes so we should perhaps start by just explaining that nandos is a restaurant chain serving Afro-Portuguese chicken and is South African-owned because, of course, that makes sense. Indeed, there's some tighter Mozambique as well, from what I read. But that could be, I could be thinking of Oporto's, which is even more Portuguese and was also a chain, which still exists around this time. Good huh. chicken, terrible bread, I'm, I, I'm reminded, but, you know. That, that, was, that was my summation of them, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yes, but a, a cheeky Nando's appears to be this, this thing in British culture. There's quite a lot of cultural baggage to it. And so we tried to figure out what it might mean. And because we are digital natives who, who are deeply in touch with the infosphere, we did what any rational person would and asked on Facebook. Right. <laughs> uh, and Facebook, Facebook came back with responses. Facebook spoke to us. Sometimes what it said was wildly inappropriate. And just to get the wildly inappropriate out of the out of the way, we have the explanation of a cheeky Nando's, uh, which is as follows: a cheeky Nando's is when two people are, and one puts his over the other's, 
and while a third person char scorches a slice of raw onion and calls it caramelised. <laughs> well, ask and he shall receive, I guess. Indeed, yes. That, that's in my brain now. Um, Fair enough. For a slightly more... What's the word I'm looking for? Useful uh, response. We, we have this one from Alex, uh, which reads, A cheeky Nando's can only be compared in part to a sly one and down at the Badger and Pheasant, a.k.a. the local. There is a part of you that knows it's wrong, but it's still so right. The same elements apply. You may not have been planning on it, and the application of such comes up often at the last minute rather than being planned well in advance. Hence the word cheeky. This implies a sense of naughtiness rather than going home and having a cheaper, healthier, home-cooked meal. Interestingly, uh, as with many other things considered British, it is an adoption from another country, Portugal, who don't rave about it as much as us. This is indeed in the same vein as the British construct that is the tikka masala, a Birmingham invention. So yes, it's a, it's a very specific cultural frame of reference. John Rea, who is quite American, suggested, I think it's equivalent to, I got some hankery from some deep fried KFC, which is a concerning point of specificity that makes me imagine people getting KFC and then frying it again because it was not deep fried enough the first time which is totally an American thing I mean I've, I've had double cooked chips they felt incredibly bad for me just like looking at them felt like I was doing something my doctor would disapprove of yes indeed I think that's, that was probably the point mm. it was, there was a repository from Jacqueline said no it's really not for one while it might be fast food at least KFC is good that might have been a contentious statement. I mean, it, I feel that you could argue that KFC is good and Nando's is not good. Um, I mean, you're, the, the only stipulation I would put on it is that in order to argue that, you have to be wrong. <laughs> but that's really the only stipulation. Otherwise, the argument holds brilliantly. You have to occupy uh, the, the state of wrongness. Yeah, but, but once you're there, once you're holding that moment, the, the argument holds. I only have a couple of points of contact with KFC myself. Aside from the, whenever you go past a place, you, you get assaulted by the spectre of dead chicken grease as you go past. Oh, yeah. That, that whole thing where water will, not, will, will only bead on the pavement outside of KFC because of the, the, the grease. Yes. And for years, I had it speculated this deliberately done to to they 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 somehow they especially pump the suffered the atmosphere to to lure people in but that i can't imagine that's what's going on because it doesn't seem to be working per se anywho i recall the last time i had kfc i had within a couple of the years a couple of years before watched a frankly a bit pants very cgi heavy uh anime called arjuna where a kind of feckless schoolgirl is invested like with the powers of like the entire hindu pantheon and has some a weird connection to karma and so forth i don't deeply recall what's going on but one of the one of the moments was uh she she goes she's somehow been contacted by the, the these cosmic entities is trying to sort of shrug this off as being not normal and she's not not actually a uh, karmically driven magical girl at this point um, but goes to a fast food restaurant and then is assaulted by the, the karmic debt of everything that was done to produce this burger. Oh. And I had that experience biting into one of the KFC's, KFC chicken burgers. So, and I hadn't been contacted by any deities that I was aware of. It's like, ooh, okay, I mean... <laughs> so, how much rainforest? Holy crap. <laughs> you feel inexpressibly guilty and you're not even sure why. Yeah, yeah, I... That might just have been my um, cultural references running overdrive. <laughs> it's like, wow, okay, that was weird. Yeah, and the other thing was recently we were um, told that we were going on a team building thing, and uh, the manager very excited us. We, we could go to KFC, and everyone just looked around, <laughs> going, uh, "Could we not?" <laughs> yeah, chirp, <laughs> chirp. <laughs> we ended up getting pizza, and everyone was much happier. <laughs> it's like. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. That was a that was a thing. <laughs> Anywho, but John recommends that in Seattle you you visit Easel's famous chicken. 
They make some good fried chicken. <laughs> so that sounds like a, a pretty clear recommendation for for that locale. Indeed. And yes, we also have the the suggestion that a the cheekiness aspect of the Nando's means that it is unplanned or spontaneous. You do not plan to get cheeky Nando's later in the evening. You just go to get Nando's and it's a bit cheeky. You, know, you cheekily go to get Nando's. Much like you, you do not have a, a cheeky Ikea trip if you've planned to do it. Right. So, yeah, the descriptions I've seen online is like where I've been able to parse the references to the, the Bishop of Banterbury and so forth and, and other other fairly exquisite Britishisms. Not that, not that you know, any part of any word used to describe that part of the world is a monolith. The the fact is, you know, someone will suggest something, and then Nando's would be offered as a as a counterpoint. And the fact it was offered as a counterpoint makes it the perfect suggestion. Yep. Yes, there is. I mean, there is the classic Archbishop of Banterbury uh, response to what is a cheeky Nando's, and I have found a translation of it, which reads more or less as follows. My dear friend, it's hard to explain. It's just like one day you'll be with your friends having a look in JD Sports, and you might feel like getting a curry at Witherspoons. But your friend Callum, who's a very fun guy, will be saying, Brothers, let's get some impromptu chicken instead. And you'll think, great, let's do it. That was way more coherent than the original. Oh, yeah. I actually learned something from that one, because I um, the, the the original sort of ref- referred to JD, uh, which I assumed was JD Weatherspoons, being the, the pub chain, but no, it's actually mm. JD Sports, a completely different franchise. Much less edible, I hope. Right. Cool. So, Cheeky Nando's. Impromptu chicken, possibly alcohol-fueled, with the lads. There is a different lad culture going on there, yes. Mm-hmm. So, um... I've got an idea. Um, it is written down in my notebook as appalling Nando's idea, which may give you an idea of what's in store here. We should definitely lead with that one, then. <laughs> okay. Um, it's a bit topical. Excellent. Like, as you say, like the ointment. Oh, right. Yes. Like the ointment that will be in short supply, presumably, oh. once Brexit happens. <laughs> because my suggestion is this. Brexit, this... I'm sure everybody in the world knows about Brexit, even though they really don't want to. But um, Britain leaving the European Union, or maybe not, or just (laughs) basically sitting on their hands and doing absolutely nothing useful while the counter ticks down. For this pitch, Brexit went far further than anybody could have believed. In the end, the idea of things that were not part of Britain were just became anathema. Viewing sites on the coast where on a good day you could see France were closed when the weather was, was good enough that you could see France. And anything that was not part of the Commonwealth or the former Commonwealth was just strictly forbidden. Obviously, there is massive social unrest. You've got the increasingly dictatorial government sort of cracking down on any foreignness. Which is why it was so bizarre that the resistance to all of this came in the form of a Afro-Portuguese restaurant and a chicken of varying degrees of spices. Because while, of course, all of the, the Nando's restaurants got um, taken over by, um, by by the government once the outside world became just a thing that we don't deal with anymore, because they were foreign, you see. But then the word starts to spread of this figure, Cheeky Nando. Nice. Direct reference to King Lud and Captain Swing. Yes. Captain Swing. Yep. Captain Swing. Indeed. Ah. And so, yeah, nobody's quite sure how it is that because yeah, the, the actual Nando's restaurants, while you know being nationalised, um, have have really sunk because, of course, you can't have foreign stuff in there. But yet, somehow, peri peri spice is still making it into the country, smuggled in. Possibly by balloons or trained pigeons. That's kind of romantic and horrible at the same time. I like it. It's like the 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 dumbest form of 1984 and um, the current state of America. With a little bit of V for Vendetta in there, I feel. But yeah, look, <laughs> it's pretty much at some point I think it becomes pretty much indistinguishable. But yes, yes, mm. it's, uh, okay, but yes, but the um, 
reminds me of a video game called Not Tonight, which makes you a bouncer in post-Brexit Britain. <laughs> and in the, um, in the vein of uh, Papers, Please, the restrictions for going, getting into a pub go from, like, age limit and so forth and become more and more draconian, which is uh, it's definitely a thing. Yep. Yeah, okay. No, that's interesting. But yes, the idea of the, the light in the darkness being spicy chicken. And yeah, I don't think that's as, as horrible an idea as you thought. Damn. I mean, <laughs> Well, I'm kind of intrigued by the possibility initially you, you, went, you went through the very prosaic practical crackdown by government and so forth and and well not very practical you're like putting up big sight screens and so forth i saw i recently saw colin furs's farting at france video where he pointed his bottom jet his 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 homemade jet engine with a giant posterior like um decoration at france and farted its general direction okay which is probably a healthier outlet Despite all the hearing, the potential hearing damage. Uh, yeah, it's what you're mostly fa- doing is farting an enormous amount of shipping. But yeah, that's fair enough. It's um. <laughs> true. Yeah. But in- initially, I was wondering if you're going to go to the idea of a sort of more mythic realm, as like if if the like the the conscious act of severing ties with the rest of Europe would mean these things would fade away in a misty sort of fashion. Ooh. Yeah, so it becomes like this, as, as a special say, it is coming, this town's coming like a ghost town. And as that things start to get indistinct, and um, all there is is the, is the, the, the scrotty diner with the, um, the mushy peas and the chips, everything, and the, the, the colour leeches out of the world. And then there are these little pockets of... Okay, so yeah, depending on how you want, wanted to do it. I mean, for, for that one, I can't honestly tell if you would, you would go with the... The comedic approach of people sneaking spices and indeed flavor uh, into the world in an attempt to to wake people up and uh, form a battle against a despotic government because what they want is taste. I'm not sure how to sell that one, but it'd be an entertaining try. Or the idea that yes, just the the, the merest sprinkling of peri peri will 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 be enough to wake people up and add some color back into things. Yes. I, my mind keeps going back to a sort of like, and if you look for it late at night, with the with the 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 yearning for flavour in your heart, maybe you'll find it. It's like <laughs> some sort of <laughs> mystical bullshit version of going out in the lash and then going for a for, for some fried chicken. <laughs> okay, see, now, I'm, now I'm just imagining somebody, yeah, sort of a a, a bunch of somewhat drunken um, uh, drunken lads out out on the lash, sort of all looking up at the sky and yearning, and then sort of sparkling stream of fine red dust comes down and just sprinkles itself gently over their chips. <laughs> um, uh, to, be, to be fair, the way that, that the concept of England has absorbed other cultures most readily is through the avenue of food. That, that is true. The, the entirely traditional um, English food stuff of curry and chips. Indeed, indeed. And it's it's a path to acceptance, you know, and you know, and often has been a path for immigrants to become part of a part of a community and so forth. And, and I believe they're actually, I think I read an article about the the traditional curry restaurants. They're having to work. They're having to work quite hard to keep qualified curry chefs. They're actually doing like programs and so forth to make sure they've got people who they can employ in the kitchens because it's. Very specific, very and, and slightly modified from from traditional Indian cooking. They've, they've, they've actually got their own kind of thing. So there's like it's a little bit distasteful, might be the word that that is the 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 main path and you know the accepted way of, is like becoming useful in a food sense, gain some sort of acceptance. But mm. that is seems to be the way it is. Hmm. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, so we could have Nando's magical realism, um, <laughs> or flipping it around, you could go with the the more hardcore dystopian thing that cheeky Nan. I, possibly, this is somebody who used to run a Nando's near Parliament, perhaps. Mm. I mean, st- statistically, there must be one. There's one everywhere else. Um, 
don't know. City of London's kind of a, it's its own thing, so you never know the uh, how, how easy it would get start a, 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 a chain restaurant. But I'm, I'm sure they can figure it out. Yeah, it's basically a, a restaurant owner who was pushed too far, started striking back against the government, turned out to be a little bit good at it, and their calling card, and indeed possibly their recruiting technique, is spiced chicken. Or, or one of the tiny little temperature flags. The, the hot nice. <laughs> yes, like it. She struck again. The cheeky Nando's. <laughs> <laughs> to, to be honest, it was just cheeky Nando has struck again was the bit that got me. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Which presumably means that, yeah, if there's multiple of them, then it's the cheeky Nando's. And also it gives you a very different version of Viva Vendetta. It does. It really does. I, especially for the movie, I just imagine rather than lying there in this train car full of explosive and flowers it's like a train car full of explosive and like chicken pitters mm. yeah i quite i quite like it it's <laughs> it, it it i i feel as a concept its heart is in the right place and if someone objects they may be doing the same sort of thing as somebody who recently did like a like a 14 hour live stream reading a a, a anti-capitalist cyberpunk role-playing game and explaining that this 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 game was terrorism. Terrorism, possibly. <laughs> I mean, points for effort. Yep. I can't imagine disliking any game enough to do that. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure that the uh, the game creator is enjoying some free publicity on the back of some just really odd response to it. <sighs> wow. Yeah, so that's fun. Hmm. As far as system goes, I'm not sure. Um, it, it depends. It, it, it should lend to the feel. If you were if you're doing something super crunchy and it was all very tactical and so forth, yeah, get get a game that supports that sort of thing. If it was more of the magical realism, either way, I mean, if, if you if you wanted to adapt Grey Ranks or something and make it a real just wow nightmare descent into. Um, yeah, because there are there are games there that focus on the the youth. In fact, was it uh, misspent youth? Misspent youth would be a um, an option. Mm. Yes, I, I mean, if, if much as I like the magical realism approach, I really do like the idea of this sort of sprinkle of peri peri salt coming down late at night. <laughs> um, this, little, this little glowing scarlet trail leading Indeed. off into the into the misty and misty morning kind of thing with sort of a little bingling noise that has a, a yeah. sort of a vaguely funky beat to it um but i think if i if i was running a game i would like to run one where you've got people sort of positioning them yeah positioning themselves at the right time so that the balloons with supplies that have been attached to them that are sort of floating over the channel will um yeah, they'll be there when the uh, the balloons touch down, or possibly they'll be there to try to shoot the balloons down so that they can get the payload before the the police catch up with them. Or mm. running running the hazardous um, gauntlet to sort of smuggle stuff through the now defunct channel tunnel. Ooh, yeah, yeah. the the, I, the idea that the the whole the whole sort of crackdown kind of happened by accident would is interesting though because. I, I am not for nothing reminded of the Clockwork Orange with the um oh, well, yeah. laddish isn't quite NADSAT, it's getting there. It, it is it, because you know, any argot is used by members of community to identify one another and if it happens to confuse people from the outside of the community, that's great too. But it also kind of becomes associated with all of the, the negative, probably positive, but de- definitely the negative traits that people ascribe to this. I read a, a re- recently a very interesting article about what is the Essex man and so forth. It was like this this whole cultural concept of the, the county east of London when, when you know, post-World War Two and part of the, the industrialization rebuilding, they built up these model cities and outside of London, so people could commute in and while they rebuilt and people could work and so forth. And it, it went from being, you can actually have your own house and it can be warm and not falling down in a, like a post-Victorian kind of fashion, to this, this what was considered a very lower class, materialistic and competitive kind of yobbo kind of character. And I mean, there was a, like, there's a, there's a spitting image thing where, you know, they're like, you know, Essex is the worst kind of song, and it really feels like punching down. Because, you, you know, at that era where comedians in England came from a lot, 
you know, they came mm. from the like Footlights Theatre and so forth and out of Cambridge and Oxford. They had some funny stuff. But when they made fun of the, 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 the upper classes, it was more horizontal. Yeah, they were punching across. <laughs> they were making fun of their, their, their peers to some degree. And they knew, you know, not every um, comedian was in that era was born a silver spoon, with a silver spoon, as it were. But it was like, that mm, seemed... It also seems, yeah, it seemed kind of the the fear of the nouveau riche, or even you know, even people attempting to better themselves, was a big thing about that. So it's like that's an it's, it's an interesting confluence, but you know, along with the fact that going against that is like lad culture is often, and the well, the practice of banter tends to be like cruel and sexist and just you know not very clever. There's probably a there's probably some clever wordplay in there, but you know, it is a not very inclusive process by the sounds of it. Mm. So there's a lot of stuff like lurching around in that space. So I kind of, I found that intriguing. Um, but the, the ideas, some of the ideas that I came up with, I talked to Dee last night as well. And, you know, we, we suggested that Chi Ki could also refer to the, the channeling of internal energies. And maybe there is also a chicken frying related martial art or cooking style that could be uh, involved in this one. Not sure where that's going. But I, I am liking it. I mean, the the idea that the people who work the grill at, the, at Nando's, it's, you know, it's a bit karate kid, wax on, wax off, paint the fence. No, it's, an, it's in fact precisely The God of Cookery, which is a ah. um, Stephen Chow film, where there is a cooking competition, but it involves Shaolin monks. As well, that might be the one where we got the shell and folding stool style um, gag from. Mm. But yes, they will prepare the Buddha jumping wall like clay pot dish, and the clay pot's like four feet tall. But they will focus their energy upon it so it can cook in like um, <coughs> minutes instead of hours, kind of thing. It's pretty hilarious, and it has like references to West Side Story, other crazy stuff because even Charles a madman. That's fair. Yeah, I've seen Shaolin soccer. <laughs> Yep, and so it's a that'd be a, a, an interesting idea, and you could make it maybe like a maybe a food truck wars kind of thing, if that's your if that's your deal. I've I was vaguely thought of Cheeky Nando's maybe being a celebrity necromancer in a fantasy world who's very charismatic and charming, and everyone likes, but he's a freaking necromancer. So what's going on here? Okay, I would of course pronounce it Nandos, but we know why, and that is a that is an inside joke for the uh, for the very inner circle. It really is. <laughs> There's like what three members of two, maybe three members of the audience. Who, wow, that's that's really obscure. It is. It is deliberately really obscure. Okay, let's yeah. Moving on from there. I mean, I'm, I'm liking both of those ideas for very different reasons. Mm. The the idea that you have a you inserted to your 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 fantasy game. Somebody who is obviously a good egg and, you know, and, and, and tremendously charismatic and extremely helpful, but, you know, they have a retinue of skeletons and it's probably influenced by the fact that I listened to a recording of H.P. Lovecraft's The Hound done by an actor, uh, the gent who played um, Dr. Zass, and he does a very good job of talking about the, uh, just the, the very purple prose and the, the gibbering what's-names and so forth in... H.P. Lovecraft and his gibbering water names, yes. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I was thinking of that, it was like, yeah, the, the, that particular one is that has a couple of characters who are, well, the protagonist writes about him and his friend who, who live far on, on some ghastly moor and, and go out to rob graves of their graves goods and bodies and, and display them in their little charnel museum of their place. It's like, it's a very odd couple, but not. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> A weird little, a weird little piece of fiction. I don't know what he was 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 going on there, but yes, the idea of having the having that a character like that running around your game is like, yeah, he's people seem to like him, but he's a freaking necromancer. <laughs> I mean, I am reminded of the meme of if you think about it, a necromancer is just a really late healer. Yes, yes, not timely at all. Yeah, followed followed by the whole thing of oh, he's dead. Necromancer cracks his fingers. I didn't fail my medical degree for nothing. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, they're, they're very keen on recycling. That's true. Mm. Reduce, reuse, reanimate. <laughs> but the, the most concrete idea I came up with was the idea of the cheeky nanodose. The notion of a... 
a notion of a, of a society where nanotechnology and like biocompatible machines and biological monitoring and so forth is ubiquitous. You're breathing the shit in and out. People are very conscious. There's probably a highly addictive mini game in life of maintaining your 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 bodily functions at a perfect a perfect state for what you're doing. And people could probably become total assholes about that sort of thing. The idea of, you know, somebody, you know, be perfectly aware of what their, their you know, their body temperature and acidity and, and, you know, electrical conductivity and so forth are, you know, and they've got a heads-up display, they've got, they're tracking this shit. And it's like, just having an awareness of things that they can ask people to be cognizant of that no one had before. That would seem likely to be come off as really annoying. So, in the, in the society, the, you know, People are very, very aware of their biological condition, but presumably this information is getting out and so forth. But there may be a, a, a counterculture of people who turn off their monitoring, well, as much as you can. This would be the kind of thing that you can't, like, you, you can't uninstall entirely. But you, you basically stop the monitoring process just for the sheer novelty and thrill of not knowing down to the, the tenth or hundredth of a degree what your core body temperature is. Mm. I am struggling wildly to know what sort of game you would have from that possibly it is a way to opt out of like ludicrously pervasive surveillance a society you know where you know, where you can you know where you know some the, the society know could potentially know what your caloric intake is down to the milliwatt or something whatever you do calories in. so may it may facilitate the consumption of certain substances maybe uh, maybe even you know it's like trying to um, see how far the spicy chicken can drive up the, your your blood pressure or your heart rate or something like that. But yes, the idea that this um, that you are being surveilled from within as well as from without, and the idea of w- moving in a society where that information could very easily be used against you. Mm. Now, thinking about how to turn that one into into a game, and it does. It does actually link into a little bit um, something from one of the Stargate SG-1 episodes. Yeah? Oh, the Canadian aliens. Yes. The, 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 ah. the, the high-tech Canadian aliens, yes. <laughs> the, 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 the beige invasion, yes. Uh, oh, no, I was... Mm, maybe not. Um, was, that, was, that, was that a separate one? Those are the folks who offered the, the like universal health care, but also were actually... Um, making everyone fertile. Uh, no, this is this is a different one. This is the, the ah, okay. wildly wildly more advanced than than humanity aliens who didn't want to share any of their stuff because they, well they tried that once and they ended really really badly. That's fair. There was an episode of that where somebody that somebody that they dealt with dies and it turns out there's something weird going on because they have this universal health monitoring system. So. Mm-hmm. When he had some sort of health crisis, medics should have been there within a few minutes, but it took them far too long to get there, and this is just not how it works. And yeah, it turns out he got murdered, and the plot proceeds from there. So sort of ah, right. So a, about a murder mystery that should have been impossible. Yeah, if you've got um, yeah, if you've got the incredibly pervasive nanotech, and yeah, you've got some people who are in real time monitoring the flow of their own feces through their intestines. Um, so that they know down to the second when they're going to need to find a bathroom, and indeed have the map already planned out. And then you've got the more sane people who don't do that shit, because what is <laughs> you, you, wrong with you? <laughs> you've just defined the word shitlord perfectly. I really have. Yeah, that's amazing. My, my contribution to global knowledge is, uh, is um, it, embarrassing. Yes, dense, <laughs> pungent. Wait, no. Um... <laughs> Um, so yes, if you've got people who are slightly more sensible about it, and yeah, then you maybe if you know, assuming that you've got the full the full spectrum of 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 sort of human attitudes to things, you are going to get the people who are just squicked out by the entire concept. Mm. So yeah, you can potentially have the murder mystery aspect of somebody with an enormous amount of monitoring gear in them who somehow managed to develop I don't know a horrifying cancer and die. How did mm. that happen? Exactly. That's sort of one option, and you've got the the mystery there. I'm thinking that another version of it, and I'm not I'm not entirely sure what the hook in there is, but you can imagine in a circumstance where this is around, but it is very much it's very much opt in. Mm. 
but you can just see somebody deciding, well, yes, but all these people that aren't opting in, it's sort of these these homeless folks on the streets and everything who, 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 who aren't opting in. It would just be better for them if they had the monitoring anyway. So let's just give them this, this cheeky little nanodose. They won't notice. Hmm. Uh, we'll just turn off all the stuff that would tell them about it, but we'll, we'll still get the data. Yes, and it will, it will culture and, and um, slowly grow. If you're like, eh, yeah. And if you're handing that out in fried chicken. Indeed. Now, I'm not quite sure where you go with the plot with that. I mean, clearly we've got the well-meaningness and enormous, quite literal invasion of personhood. Hmm. But then I'm not sure where you go with that. It depends if you're like, you, 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 do, you do the the ultimate surveillance version of a locked room mystery. So that's possible. If you accept that the, that the, the system is basically good and it has, it has failed to prevent something and you've got to find out why. There is the conspiracy theory, why are, why are people coming down with an infection of nanobots when they haven't opted in they shouldn't, and, and they, they have no intention of doing, doing that? Or even there's the, the possibility of the system is held to be accepted and good and so forth and does these things, but then someone spontaneously combusts. Ah, okay. So why did they, the possessor of a trillion self-replicating nanorobots, catch fire and nobody no and and none of them noticed? Or was it the problem of the trillions of nanorobots suddenly all generating extra heat simultaneously? And holy crap, can someone do that whenever they feel like it? Yeah. And I, I would like to go with something with a heavy creep factor for that one, just because... That last one would be pretty creepy. <laughs> well, yeah. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm having trouble coming up with ideas, sort of plot ideas that do not involve, at some level, the idea of, well, yes, we implanted medical devices in people against their will, but basically it was for their own good, um, and doesn't legitimize that. It, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a fantasy world. It can still be a bad thing. I mean, because you you live and have to survive within the system does not mean you approve of the system. And there was a show, Revolution. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which got a couple of seasons. Uh, it happened a while ago. The following constitutes spoilers. Basically, electricity stops working. This turns out to be because of nanotech eating up all the electricity. Electricity simply doesn't work anymore. Uh, the, the nanotech... Doesn't travel far enough to to be Indeed. useful. Yeah, uh, and said nanotech had some level of health had, had some level in the, the the basis of sort of nanotech for medicine. That was that was where it had come from. Uh, and I do remember at the time we were kicking around the idea of what would happen if if the the health benefits stayed around. So it's it's eating all the electricity, but it's also working very hard and very aggressively to keep people healthy. Hmm. To the extent of. If it is an injury or illness, well, if it's an illness, you're just not going to catch anything. Or your symptoms won't actually affect you. Indeed. Uh, If it's an injury, if the injury doesn't kill you within the first minute, you're probably okay. Functional immortality. Yeah. Functional immortality trapped on the one planet. Hmm. Again, I'm not sure where you go with that. It would be a weird, hyper-heroic kind of... It would be kind of a weird, violent fantasy excursion. Yeah, it's like playing Doom on God mode all the time. Yeah, or very sort of the Greek heroic myth kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, it's like lots of smiting and then getting back up and going, jolly good show, but it would be, yeah. Yeah, well played, sir. It could be a very toxic kind of environment, but you know. Yes, we will duel to the first dismemberment. Hmm. I mean, possibly that's the hook in for the these people turning up with nanotech who never signed up for it uh, thing. If the, the if the stuff is a little bit better than everybody expected, that's maybe a hook in for somebody discovering that this thing was done, and that then leads you to I'm not sure. There's a big question mark there. You could definitely have sort of a creepy thing where some poor soul attempts to end their life and discover they discovers that they can't. It could become like a very Lazarus Churchyard kind of... Oh, yeah. Yeah. World's oldest junkie wants to die, but his his, bo- his body has been turned into bioplastic, so he literally can't. But the idea that you discover somebody... 
attempting to commit suicide and failing. I was like, what's going on here? It does sound like very much like a Torchwood episode. I think they touched well, on that the sort whole of thing. Miracle Day thing? That- yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. And they, and they did some other sort of similar things. Yeah, so it could definitely be that sort of science fantasy adventure. Yes, you would need, and hopefully somebody in the audience can think of uh, think of this, some sort of thing at the end of that. What's what's the end game? What's it doesn't even need to be a resolution yeah. or a fix, but there needs to be a a something beyond. So that happened. What do we do now? Well, yeah, that's the kind of thing that you either have. You either build into your world and there is something amiss that you can address and, and bring back to right. Or you it is the um, technological monster of the week and, and when you've dealt with it, everyone gets just to wheel a lot of nanobots out over the next couple of weeks. Mm. Yeah, so this, it depends on your what your outcome your, your outcome would be. If you want to go with the creepy version, uh, you look at uh, the Greg Bear book Blood Music. Which mm. wasn't nanobots. It was effectively very small-scale biological computers. Yeah. Which, having been introduced into a researcher, proceed to improve their environment. Yeah. So yeah, you can potentially, if if you wanted to go full-on Cronenberg body horror, uh, that would be a way of doing it. That the nanobots. Start out with the whole, well, this will just stop us from having so many dead homeless people over winter. This is a good thing. And then the improvements keep happening. And it's a lot easier. You know, if you, it, It's a lot easier to work together if you're actually connected, as it were. First by Bluetooth, yeah. and then, well, wouldn't it be easier if we just fused them? Um, hmm. Yeah. Indeed. You could, you, could, you could go creepy with that one. Very easy. Indeed, replaying through the, the, the ideas, sort of cheek, cheeky Nando, the the very nice necromancer, is just a fun one. Hmm. Yeah. Well, he's a necromancer, but he's quite a good gardener. Uh, you know, the skeletons are <laughs> very particular with you know, the other... Yeah, skeletons are, are really patient. They will just weed for days. Literally, days. They will get all of the aphids. Indeed. And uh, what was the first one? Uh, that was the martial art cookery gag. Yeah. Just watch God of Cookery, it's fun. I should just watch watch God of Cookery, yeah. I I was trying to come up with something like, sort of, a horrible franchise is coming into town, and it's only the the, the warriors of Nando's can chase them out, but they're already a franchise. This doesn't work that well. Um, Yes, indeed. Alternatively, maybe it's the flip side. Maybe it's the reason why the the, the food trucks never really um, hang around very long in uh, areas where there's a Nando's because they get inexplicably, yeah, workers inexplicably have the shit beaten out of them by people who squirt them with burning hot sauces and hit them with spatulas. Sounds like a start of a long lawsuit, but sure. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Only if you can prove it. That could have been any spatula. Yes, but it was your trademark sauce. Also, I was talking about the, um, if you ran a game accusing Nando's of assault and battery, spicery. True. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It might be better to just sort of have the final showdown between uh, Nando's and KFC, which may also be occurring on my Facebook page uh, as we speak. So um... Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> it is getting heated, as, as it were. Mmm. Spicy. Mmm. Cool. I think we have had enough culinary delight at this point we have covered a wide range of ultimately horrifying outcomes of letting the chicken lords um take over indeed that idea is properly basted and um it was the best i could do at short notice stop judging me (laughs) never (laughs) never (laughs) so and we also have an idea from john on the subject of cheeky nandos which reads as follows first off I can do the Googles and found out what a cheeky Nando's is. Sounds actually pretty good. But I'm not going there with this idea. Or, actually, I'm taking a stroll around it. First, some really bad Cockney, thanks to the American to Cockney translator. Uh, for the record, everybody, what you're about to hear is the results of the American to Cockney translator as interpreted by a New Zealander with a weird accent. Greeting, my good fellas. Anyone up for a bit I'm particularly feeling like something deep fried and golden brown myself, and I had a couple of beers before meeting the rest of you. 
What say we go for our cheeky Nando's? That was appalling. It does sound wow. like an, an Australian who's been on his OE too long and has just been hitting the head with something. <laughs> <laughs> but fair enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. What we have here is a bunch of the lads and ladettes who are looking for some sort of entertainment and are all looking for something to nosh on. And they are all in Brighton. Brighton Beach, that is. And of course, this would be a fiasco setting. So the Sojourn for Fried Chicken will turn into a Coen Brothers movie, maybe with a splash of Tarantino for afterwards. Setup would include the relationships between the lads and ladettes. Needs. Well, there are lads and ladettes. Say no more, nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Locations would be all the fun places and not-so-fun places in Brighton to go to. And get so snockered as to perform the Technicolor Rainbow as that chicken refuses to go the other way in your gut. Fun will be had by all, especially with us colonists doing horrendous British accents that will span the entirety of the British Commonwealth. Hmm, I could really go for a cheeky Nando's. <laughs> I, I love the idea of a bunch of people, none of whom have British accents, attempting to do terrible, terrible British accents. As colonials, it is our duty to do so. So, yeah. Mm. I, for some reason, reminded of somebody like, somebody like complaining, oh, kids these days, they're all terrible and whatnot. Um, and someone posting, like, pictures of, like, mods and rockers brawling on Brighton Beach and, like, from the 70s and riots in the, uh, in the, the 80s and so forth. And it's like, kids protesting about climate change presently. It's like, yeah. Yeah, terrible. What, what jerks. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> terrible, terrible people. Yeah. They may have been cherry-picking, but also... <laughs> yeah. Like I say, it's sort of a, a representation. If you were to get into something... I'm reminded of the um, the show Misfits. The bunch of Asbo doing mandatory community um, work, getting struck by lightning and being given slightly crappy superpowers, but also a succession of um, homicidal, um, functionally parole officers and violent getting into violent conflicts and various things that was a sort of loving portrayal of yob yobbish youth mm. and the idea of a weekend getaway as a fiasco game is hilarious to me that is yeah that's pretty impressive uh, you know in, in no small part because of just the horror stories you hear about weekend getaways the actual news article out there, admittedly this isn't uh, from from Brighton Beach, but from somewhere in Spain, of somebody complaining to their package tour company that their package holiday in Spain was ruined because there were too many Spanish people there. Wow. I can understand how people might have... Um have come to the conclusion that parts of Mallorca and so forth were actually, like, British enclaves. But, yeah, that's... Uh, normally, going on holiday to a different country and seeing people who are not from your country is a good thing. <laughs> yes. In the defence of the person who made the complaint, there were actually aspects of their holiday that was were very badly managed by the holiday company in question, but the... That statement kind of leaps out. Yeah, yeah. undercut by the... And there were too many Spanish people. Probably could have left that one out. Uh, wouldn't have got yeah. much media attention. Could have left that one out. Throwing that one out there. Mm-hmm. Good observation. Yes, yes. So, yeah, that would just be... Be hilarious. And, and I do like the idea of the lads and uh, and, and ladettes crashing around Brighton or... or or wherever south end. I mean, it really needs to be somewhere where it's got one of the the, the, the big piers with the slightly crap funfair on it. I think, mm. and just uh, you know, at the end of it, it's on fire. Uh, somebody's dead, <laughs> but no one liked them anyway. And there's like some drunken group selfie with a like a burning Ferris wheel in the background <laughs> or something. Yes, yeah play to that sort of that sort of thing. Yeah, that sounds pretty interesting. Yeah, drunken group selfie with Dave in the body bag and a couple of frankly unimpressed uh, uh, poli- police officers who are letting you get away with this this time. Hmm. Because it's what Dave would have wanted. Yeah. Hmm. Very interesting. Thank you, John. It's a, certainly an approach. <laughs> also, I like the phrase Technicolor Rainbow. 
euphemisms for drunkenly throw, throwing up are there's a long and storied history of uh, banter, I guess it is, that surrounds that. So, yeah. Indeed. It's, it's Something good has come of it. Indeed, yes. Calling, calling Huey in Europe. On, on the big white porcelain telephone. Indeed. Um, <laughs> this this not struggle to come yeah, up with anymore. I know. I know that everyone will know their their own regional favourites, and we don't want to. We don't want to be make that a cornerstone of our, our experience. <laughs> <sighs> ah, yes, the vomit euphemism podcast. That's probably out there. Anyway, sorry. probably. And to round out our suggestions, we had a suggestion from Taz on the Witch Planet soccer episode, just to run heh, with the football franchise idea. What if the reason was not profit, but to destabilise civilizations? This is already a very compelling idea. Our dimensional travelling PCs visit world after world, destroyed by frenzied football factions. Eventually they learn that there is another group of adventure hoppers. Their charter is to wreck worlds by any other means. Ah, Millwall supporters. <laughs> wow! <laughs> <laughs> That was that last bit was editorialising by me, but yes, it's uh, the football hooligans of the eighties um, are no longer uh, uh, no longer quite the concern they once were. Possibly stoked up and um, handled in such a way as to distract from the uh, neoconservative Thatcherism that was going on at the time. Who knows? No conspiracy theories here. Just suppositions for people to work upon, but. The idea of that was an interdimensional conspiracy is even more alarming. The idea of somebody with sufficient societal engineering clout to be able to introduce introduce fanatical football supporting to a level where it will actually destroy a civilization is is kind of impressive. Because, I mean, I, I had some thoughts on that, which were mostly to do with, well, if they're doing that, I wonder why... Unless they're just complete dicks, or but you know, if, if that's not the case, then presumably they're doing it maybe to weed out the competition for hooliganism or soccer or what? Um, I think I think possibly the um, the hooliganism and the soccer are just the the mechanism that perhaps these these people manage to solve their own hooliganism problem, or perhaps when you eventually find their home world, they don't play um, soccer at all, even slightly doesn't interest them what does interest them is nicking other people's shit or just causing enough disruption to take advantage of the idea that if they somebody carefully engineered the game of soccer from nothing to provoke intense interest in the game and then immediate civil unrest it's mildly hilarious but (laughs) yes and so they've created this game their agents are there basically every time they find a civilization that might be a threat Oh, it's the berserker of culture. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe if you start to dig into it, it turns out that, you know, weirdly, soccer becomes very popular at about the point a civilization starts to look at dimensional travel. Maybe they're just, yes, maybe it's just at the point where they're widespread enough that, yeah, that's interesting. Somebody's come up with a mimetic weapon like the Frank Saberhagen berserkers that um, look for scientifically advanced enough societies. But the, the mimetic weapon operates once there's enough societal cohesion that people can like start sports clubs and compete with different like centres or even different countries. But it immediately leads to ill-feeling, loutish behaviour and rioting in the streets. Yes. Wow, that is the most sinister conspiracy we've ever come up with. Yeah. <laughs> Which presumably means that uh, you know, if somebody starts to, to come up with ideas like, well, there's the Olympics. This is everybody getting together and, and, and not being complete factional dicks about it. We're going to have to nip that in the bud. <laughs> yeah. A couple of doping scandals? Yeah, that should be the job. Eh. The Olympics cause civil unrest by having countries knock down entire like neighbourhoods of, of less moneyed people's housing and displacing homeless people and creating all sorts of dangerous and um, unsustainable building projects. They've got that covered on that angle just fine. Quite nice. Yeah, true. Hmm. Yes. By yeah, building stadiums that will take longer to pay off than the useful lifespan of the building. Yes, okay. Indeed, indeed. It's not not that we hate sports. kind of hate sports, but it's not that we hate <laughs> It's just extraordinarily cynical about the organisation of the aforementioned sports. 
Yes. And being made to perform these things in high school. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> Depending on the sport, but a little bit. Let's just say we're extremely receptive to the possibility these could be malign influences. That, that's all. It explains so much. It does, it does, really does. <sighs> so many things just fall into place. So, yes, it would be difficult to do that one and not have it be comedic. But, yes, the, the idea of finding world after world that is either just completely depopulated, that the factionalizing got so bad that you know, even after the riots and the wars and everything, when you had a group of people who had sort of grouped together to survive over a single, the single useful um, piece of land left, they would still put together a couple of football teams and kill each other over them. Hmm. And that, meanwhile, in the background, you've got these people who are just going in and helping themselves to, I don't know, the natural resources, um, quietly looting the museums. Yes, yes. Taking the spices for their own tasty chickens. Oh, we're back to that again. Okay, cool. Indeed, indeed. Um, it, it, it comes yes. full circle. Indeed. It's the circle of spice. The spice Where's must flow. this bit going? <laughs> Other than nowhere good. <laughs> It's it's certainly a different, because I've run into suggestions of sort of a Stargate game where they just find world after world that has um, had zombie uh, zombie apocalypses happen. This seems a little bit more wholesome. Slightly. Um, And unless sort of football fanaticism can be passed on by biting, maybe? I'm not sure. You know, if you're cool. bitten by a Millwall supporter, does that mean you then have to, to support Millwall? How, how does it work? I'm, I'm not sure. Um, I think more direct answer, you probably need to get some shots, but fair enough. All right, there's enough. Yeah. But we, we, we can't be talking about the horrible mischaracterization of entire social classes and then turn around and be unpleasant to Millwall supporters on the basis of a decades-old trope. That would make us gigantic hypocrites. And the only <laughs> thing I know about Millwall supporters, to be fair, is from that first episode of Black Box. That's it. <laughs> That's all I'm going on here. Right. Okay. So, what's next? Have, have we have we utterly destroyed people's will to live yet, or or is there a little bit more? Pretty much. Pretty much. So, speaking of short notice, when the, when the episode drops, I believe you will be hanging out somewhere special. I will. I mean, I wish I could say that the somewhere special was Gen Con. Yeah. Yeah. But I suspect with the time zones, the answer will be an airport. Yeah. But you'll be on your way? I will be on my way to Gen Con. Yes. Amazing. Because when this drops, it will be maybe half a week to Gen Con, give or take. Okay. So you'll be in the process you doing any more bizarre train shuffling this time, or are you just... No, it's just the regular train shuffling. I am flying to Chicago by way of Dublin, mm-hmm. which does mean that you get the slight weirdness of, sort of TSA, uh, or uh, not TSA, uh, the, the US border control people, and it's a whole border control setup, but it's in Dublin. Really now? Yeah, but it does mean huh. that once, once you've cleared um, sort of immigration in Dublin... You then fly across the Atlantic and then just get off the plane and walk away. It is so weird as an experience. I was not aware that America had outsourced its customs. Uh, no, it's not outsourced. All of the people working there are American. Yeah, yeah, well, I know, but they, they've, 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 they've moved it offshore, yeah. Wow, I was not aware of that. That's, uh, that's special. I am assuming the reason for it is that then any flight flying from Dublin to the US doesn't have to land at a terminal with uh, immigration clearance because it's yeah. already happened. Yeah, no, no, I understand that. And there was big, there was, there's big like multinational investment in, in Ireland and so forth. Lots of big tech companies. So it would have sorted, mm. saved a lot of bother. I mean, strictly speaking, if the if in that case, if the airport can accommodate the plane and the passengers. You can just land anywhere, so I understand that it's just the 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 scale of that sort of organisation. I'm surprised I hadn't heard of before, but you know, okay, that's a thing. It was a bit surprising the first time I I did it as well, but yeah, it was just 
weird. So yes, I'm flying to Chicago, then taking the train into the middle of Chicago, just commuter rail, and then taking a train to Indianapolis. uh, Mm -hmm. Because the commuter flights, the cost of the commuter flight one way was about two thirds of the cost of my round trip ticket. It was ridiculous. Wow. Yeah. Um, it turns out that they, they, they do actually release the cheaper flights closer to the time. I like to have things booked about a year out for Gen Con, so... Sure. Yeah. So, yes, I am taking the train, I am doing Gen Con things, then I am spending a few days in New York on the way back, which will be oh. new for me. Uh, so I can wow. do all the touristy crap that uh, actual New Yorkers would never look at in a million years. Well, of course not. So yes, by anybody listening to this who is going to Gen Con, I hope you have a really great time. Uh, I hope you drink plenty because Jesus creeping God, does that place get hot? <laughs> if for whatever reason it is your first Gen Con, um, I think you'll have an awesome time. The the one piece of advice that sadly is not original, I, I wish I was clever enough to have thought of it, but um, I, I did not. This came from the good people to fear the boot, would be know your limits. Hmm. Remember to sleep and bathe. (laughs) Indeed, yes. As they say, um, a shower can substitute for sleep. Coffee can substitute for sleep. And food can substitute for sleep. But none of these things can substitute for a shower. (laughs) But also, if you find yourself just standing there somewhere at Gen Con... The third person in a row has run over your foot with one of those annoying wheelie bags. Uh, you've had to dodge out of the way of somebody for about the eighth time that second, and you're really just over it and hating everything. Pick a direction, walk in it until you're not surrounded by nerds anymore, and just sit there not being at Gen Con for a while. You don't have to enjoy every moment of the convention, but if you're not enjoying yourself, try to fix that bit. Indeed. If you see an Antipodean George R.R. Martin cosplayer, come and say hello. It's probably Craig. Mm, I'll be idly muttering about murdering your favourite characters just because it makes me feel tingly. <laughs> Seriously, you're going to take the, the flat cap and braces just to confuse people? I'm kind of tempted. On the other hand, that stuff was reasonably warm for London in, like, spring. Right. At night. <laughs> Fair enough. Also, I kind of need to grow the beard out a bit, and that makes me look like more and more of a flight risk as time goes by. <laughs> but uh, I'll see what I can do. I'll see. I'll see how it looks if I do trim the beard down. But I suspect it does not look, yeah, nearly George R. R. Martin-y enough. Sadly. Fair enough. Oh, cool. Anything specific you're looking forward to at Gen Con this year? Apart from it being your, I understand, seventh appearance. It it is my seventh appearance. It is my um my my annual nerd pilgrimage at this point. I think is the the phrase I have used to describe it. Yeah, there are a few things I am looking forward to. I managed to get into a game of kids on bikes. Managed to get into a game of Zombie World, which is a card based RPG using the Apocalypse Engine. Interesting. Um, I backed the Kickstarter and managed to get into a game of part-time gods. Cool. Uh, and also of The Strange. So, I mean, Gen Con is kind of where I try out games that I am never, ever going to run into in the wild. Yep. And there were a few favourites in there. I got into a Masks game. Mm-hmm. Got into another Time Watch game. There is a Quags game about apocalypse truckers. And, um, and a Bulldogs game, just to round things off on the Sunday. Cool. So it, it will be a busy day. The, the Friday is, in fact, 12 hours of gaming with a one-hour break in there. That may not have been my wisest decision ever, but that's just what happened. Indeed. The schedule told you so. Pretty much, yes. All right. So, yes, hmm. that, is, that is Gen Con. I am very much looking forward to it. Excellent. And that is what we came up with for What is a Cheeky Nando's? Thank you, everybody, for your contributions, and pass on our thanks to your your co-workers and Facebook friends, and possibly pass out little sachets of berry berry sauce that you can <laughs> get from the Nando's. But <laughs> by get, thanks. Don't get seen passing out the sauce. Yes. Please don't don't hand out a sauce. 
that is stronger than a person can deal with. If they've, if they've never dealt with it before, start with the lemon and herb. Don't run straight to the extra hot. You do not want to have to explain that in the emergency room. Indeed. Okay. So, with that sage advice... Nice. Nice. <laughs> we will run down the, uh, the uh, voting results. The votes for episode 128. The polls closed, and we had a decisive winner for episode 128. And that decisive winner, with a thundering four votes, was religious cops trained to fight magic. Hmm. We cannot possibly get in trouble with any Middle East um, kingdoms discussing that topic. No, sir. No. No, we cannot. Also, yeah, I, I can't actually think of many areas of the real world that we can set that in and not piss somebody off. So that's a really good prompt. Nice. Thanks, Taz. We're all going to die now. Yeah, yeah. That's that, that's the thing that's probably going to happen now. Indeed, indeed. Shrugging off the likelihood of our imminent demise, the topics you can vote for once the uh, when the polls arrive will be second place getter from last time. If we don't go there, who will? Fraught silent. Apparently not us. Submitted by Bernie. We have Malevolent Immediacy, which apparently was submitted by me, but it's actually Ben's fault. It's probably true. Also, from Trigger Happy 938, can I submit the entire documentary Tickled as a prompt for the box? Which was more of a question, but we put it on the list anyway. Mm. And, and newly arrived on the list, from John, aliens have landed at Gen Con, and only stalwart gamers can defeat them. I've got it written down as games, but I think people should be free to interpret stalwart gamers or the games themselves. You are absolutely right, I misread that. Anthropomorphized to defeat aliens. I mean, there are some games that we know punch at a higher weight than um, weight class than, than others. It's, it's pretty clear, and we'll have to rank them with some sort of clearly objective scale. It's, it's an excellent game, but you're not going to beat anyone to death with a copy of The Quiet Year. No, no. On the other hand, if you can arrange it so that a bunch of aliens come around the corner and see diplomacy, there's a fighting chance they'll murder each other. Indeed. Indeed. All right. So, that is the wrap-up for episode 127. What does Cheeky Nandos mean? Which, I don't know if we really got to the bottom of that, but we had some strange strange ideas come out of it. We did. It's, it's kind of our thing. Also... Even though it's coming on to midnight, I kind of want Nando's. <laughs> ah, right. The mimetic power of the cheeky Nando's. Oh, well, we better let you get out there and um, brave the uh, sweaty, sweaty <laughs> summer night to find your, your terrible chicken foods. Trek through the sweaty underbelly of England. <laughs> that just yes. sounded so wrong. Okay, thank you for listening, audience. And... Good night. Good night. Want to hear more of our shenanigans? Then go to hoarde.net and click on the button that looks like a couch. The Big Red Couch is released under Attribution, Non-Commercial, Sharealike, 3.0 Unported from creativecommons.org. All music on the show comes from the album Universal Fluff Theory by Krakatoa. Visit them at krakatoa.com or follow the link from our page. See you next time.